Chapter 5. Call no man your father. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. Matthew 23, 9 and 10. Before the Bible will be used as the blueprint for civil government, Christians will have to repudiate the promise made by politicians. We will take care of you. God is the source of our protection. He alone can provide true safety from invaders, criminals, famine, pestilence, and all the other judgments that happen to men. Most important, he protects his people from the final judgment of hell. God alone is our Father in heaven. We have no father in Washington, London, Paris, Moscow, or any other national capital. Most modern advocates of the caretaker state, meaning the paternal state, believe that the only hope for mankind is the citizens relinquishing of personal responsibility and handing over more and more authority to the experts who work in the bureaucratic halls of civil government. Some have called this womb-to-tomb security. This is the false security of the prison cell. Any society that seeks to substitute the state for God will eventually find itself enslaved. There is no freedom apart from Jesus Christ and his saving grace. There is no freedom apart from God's covenant. Our long-term safety is assured by God to us if we are covenantly faithful. This is the fifth point in the biblical covenant, continuity. Nothing else can give our work continuity. Only God shows mercy to his people for thousands of generations if they keep his commandments, Exodus 26. Our Father It is no accident that God is called our Father. God, because he is our Father, gives us life and breath and all things, Acts 17.25. God is our Father by creation. The state has not called us into existence. The state also cannot end our eternal existence, just our physical existence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are not given to us by the state, but rather they are an endowment, gifts from God's gracious hand, to be protected and secured by the state. When the state refuses to do this, it becomes a thief, or an accomplice of thieves. God is our Father because he gives life and takes it away. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Job 1.21. The state has nothing to give but that which it first takes. God is our Father in that his words are our sustenance. All the promises of provision made by the state are temporary. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4. 4. Cross-reference Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus cited this verse when the devil asked him to turn stones into bread as a sign of his miraculous power, Matthew 4.4. 4. But Christianity is not based on magic. It is based on the word of God. It is based on ethics, not manipulation. If we want earthly wealth, we are to work hard and faithfully, saving for the future, thereby seeking the kingdom of God in a lawful manner. This message is repeated over and over in the book of Proverbs. There's no legitimate substitute, especially not theft. Yet today's society is based on the politics of theft. Thou shalt not steal except by majority vote. Such a view of civil government is immoral. God wants us to look to him for provision, not to the state. 
All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the ways the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Deuteronomy 8, 1-6 Nearly every time Israel was in need of provisions, they wanted to go back to Egypt, back to the imagined security of a fatherly state. When the freed Israelite slaves were hungry, instead of turning to God, their father, for provision, they turned to the supposed security of a tyrannical Egypt. Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, when for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger exodus 16:3 their god was their appetite philippians 3:19 for such men are slaves not of our lord jesus christ but of their own appetites romans 16:19 finally god is our father in that he redeems us in one sense god is the father of all but in a very special sense god is father only to his adopted children Jesus called the Pharisees children of their father, the devil, because they repudiated his redeeming work, John 8, 31 through 47. We are adopted children who can now cry out, Abba, Father, Romans 7, 15. God feeds us. God fed the Israelites in the wilderness, and yet they sought the supposed security of Egypt instead of the freedom and security they had with God as their father. Even after God provided them the food they needed, they still grumbled. Egypt still seemed attractive. And the rabble who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna, Numbers 11, 4 through 6. They were in essence saying, you can't beat security, three meals a day, a roof over our heads, steady work, slavery, that's such an unpleasant word. We always knew where our next meal was coming from, that security. No, that's a dog's life. Did you catch what they said? They actually believed that these things had been free in Egypt. Free! They had been slaves. They had paid for these things with their own lives. A return to Egypt meant bondage to a system where they had no voice in the way they lived. There was no future for them in Egypt. Their children's children would be slaves, called into service to build a civilization to the glory of Pharaoh. Marching on to Canaan meant a promised land, flowing with milk and honey, where they could build a civilization based on the blueprint laid out in Scripture for the glory of God as a beacon to the nations. Cross-reference Deuteronomy 4. Slaves or Servants in both Hebrew and Greek, the word for servant is the same as the word for slave. Yet we know there is, it is better to be a servant than a slave. What is the difference, biblically speaking? 
All men are servants by nature. We are creatures made in the image of God. We are made to serve God, and therefore we are made to rule in the name of God. Genesis 1, 26-28 Under the law of God, Deuteronomy 8, always in light of the fact that we will be judged by God, Revelation 20, 11-15, we are creatures, not the Creator. God alone is not a servant by nature. He is the master by nature, his own self-existent nature. What about slavery? Slavery is the demonic imitation of service to God. It is service to a creature, Satan, the enemy of God. He too seeks servants, but service to him necessarily involves bondage to sin. Those who reject God as a loving master will eventually seek another lord, Beelzebub, lord of the flies. When men rebel against God, they are rejecting God as their Lord and Master. In doing so, they fall under the mastery of sin and ultimately under mere men as their rulers. Slaves to the State We should not expect God's covenant people to choose being slaves to the state over freedom in Christ. If, therefore, the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, John 8.36. The status of the Christian has is no longer one of abject slavery, but of servant sonship. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God, Galatians 4, 6, and 7. When the people reject God as their king, they once again adopt the slavery mentality. They look for security outside Christ. There are always powerful men who are ready, willing, and able to accommodate this evil search. And such men find their way to exercise of power the state. They seek political slaves. They find them, too. Instead of turning to God in repentance, slave mentality people turn to political rulers for earthly security. Even after God warns them of the consequences of their rejection of him. 1 Samuel 8, 7 A Prophet's Neglected Warning What the Bible teaches is that sin is the first step toward slavery. The story of Israel is one long testimony of the truth of this cause and effect relationship. Israel never learned the truth of the story, and so God scattered them again and again. Eventually, he took the kingdom from them and gave it to the hated Gentiles, Christ's church, who would bring forth righteous fruits, Matthew 21, 43. During the period of the judges, all the governing institutions of Israel had become corrupt, from the individual and self-government, where every man did what was right in his own eyes, Judges 17.6, to the judges and civil government, who did not walk in Samuel's ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice, 1 Samuel 8.3. Even the church, the priesthood, was corrupt. Now the sons of Eli, who were priests, were worthless men. They did not know the Lord and the custom of the priests with the people. 1 Samuel 2, 12, and 13. The corruption of the individual resulted in the corruption of the family, church, and state. The nation rejected God's prescription for such wholesale corruption, repentance. Instead, they turned to Samuel and demanded, A king to judge us like the nations. 1 Samuel 8, 5. In making this demand, God told Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them, 1 Samuel 8, 7. Their choice of security by repenting and turning to God as their Savior, Lord, and provider was rejected. Instead, they turned to the false security offered to them by a civil government that would subject them to slavery in the name of security. 
God told Samuel to warn them of judgment, they could expect. Each of the following kingly provisions is an idolatrous substitute for God's faithful provision to his people. 1. The king would raise an army for his purpose in opposition to the law, Deuteronomy 20. Samuel told the people that war would be a way of life in Israel. He will take your sons and place them for himself in his chariots and among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots, For Samuel 8.11. Instead of appearing before the Lord three times a year as part of God's army, Exodus 23.17, the men would appear before this king like all the nations, For Samuel 8.5. 2. The king would use this army for personal profit. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and of fifties, and some to do his plowing and to reap his harvest, and to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots, for Samuel 8.12. What was designed to benefit the nation in the organization of God's host, Exodus 18.21, would alone benefit Saul. 3. The young women of Israel would be subject to the whims and fancies of the king. He will take your daughters for perfumers and cooks and bakers, verse 13. God cares and provides for his daughters, Exodus 3.22, while Saul abuses the daughters of Israel. 4. Private property will no longer be safe. The property and labor of others will be used to pay for political favors. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants, verse 14. What belongs to God is given to men as stewardship under God, Deuteronomy 6, 10, and 11. Saul would steal in order to increase his power and influence over the nation. Cross-reference 1 Kings 21. 5. The king would demand a tithe in taxation, a sign of tyranny, for only God can require a tithe, tenth. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants, verse 15. Eventually the people will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day, 1 Samuel 8.18. Even after Samuel warned the Israelites that the king would be a tyrant, the people still wanted a king. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Verses 19 and 20. But God was supposed to fight their battles, not a human king. The Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands, speaking to Goliath. First Samuel 17:47. Our modern state operates in a similar fashion. Taxes above 40% of national income, federal, state, and local. In some nations, taxes are above this level. In the United States, some states have a sales tax alone that approaches 10%. For example, Louisiana. Add to that a state income tax, property tax, federal income tax, and the social security tax. Politicians use this tax money to bribe voters to vote for them. The poor are promised favors, governmental benefits through the tax, if they will only vote them into office. Of course, the Congress has the full force of its police power to require compliance. The state's job. What should civil government do? Are there specific tasks that the civil magistrate is required by God to perform? Certainly the state in the Bible is not pictured as a substitute father. Rather, since the fall, it is to be a judge that does not bear the sword in vain, Romans 13.4. 
The family, church, and state are authorities ordained by God to perform tasks in their prescribed jurisdictions. The family has no authority or power to perform the tasks commissioned by God for the church and the state. The church is not called on to supplant either the family or the state in their appointed tasks. The state has no authority over families or churches as they perform their God-ordained duties. Of course, if a family member commits murder, is tried and convicted, then the state is duty-bound to execute the murderer. But the church has a task to perform as well. It must restore the brother. Matthew 18. The state is God's minister, taking vengeance out on those who do evil. Romans 13, 3-4. Even if there were no fall, however, the state would have been necessary as a minister of social order. For example, the state probably has legitimate jurisdiction to build and keep up roads, Deuteronomy 19.3, and enforce local land use contracts, Numbers 35.1-8. But many believe we need a strong central government to guarantee the redistribution of income to provide for the economic welfare of all, the instruction of the citizenry through tax dollars and compulsory education laws, the subsidizing of failing business enterprises, and the capping of prices to protect the citizenry against unfair prices. If we believe the state is to be a substitute parent, then we must recognize that those who desire to create a state with this in mind will use the sword to see that their goals are enacted. The power of the sword will be used to exact the needed money to pay for these free services. More often than not, the state becomes an advocate for highly influential political groups. The tax money of the many is used to establish the goals of the few. Promises are made to citizens for votes from their constituency. Political favors are granted by those running for office. Of course, it's usually done under the slogan of taxing the rich in order to help the poor. These political stepfathers set a trap for the dependent. In time, the politically dependent get hooked on the favors from a supposed benevolent state. Slavery is the result. The dependency habit is hard to break. More and more promises are made and fewer freedoms are secured by civil law. Where individuals, families, and churches had authority and power, the state has now moved in and supplanted their God-ordained jurisdictions, all in the name of freedom, security, and greater efficiency. This is why the Bible is very specific as to what the civil magistrate ought to do. Before a nation will have good civil government, a nation must have good self-government. Civil Justice Let's establish the biblical guidelines for the operation of the state and society. First, civil government should operate judicial systems on the local, state, and national levels. The law of God, as outlined in Scripture, is to be the standard of justice. If the accused does not believe justice has been done, he can appeal his case to a higher court. He can move from a local jurisdiction to, say, the county, state, or a district court that encompasses a section of the nation. Finally, he can appeal to the Supreme Court. In each case, however, scripture is to be the standard of justice. A judicial system can operate only so long as the majority of the citizenry are self-governed. Our nation's courts will be swamped and justice perverted if the majority were lawless. We are now seeing the breakdown in law and order, a backlog of court cases, and a bulging of prisons. Self-government is being repudiated by a growing segment in our nation. The best courts and the most just judges cannot deal with the abandonment of self-government. 
weights and measures. Second, the state must ensure the maintenance of just weights and measures. God considers tampering with weights and measures to be violence and destruction, Ezekiel 45.9. Men are not permitted even to own false weights and measures. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small, Deuteronomy 25, 13, and 14. Again, a biblical monetary system can only work when the people are self-governed, when they do not cheat, pilfer, falsely advertise, or appeal to their civil representatives to create laws that favor them and their business dealings. When civil governments abandon basic biblical laws relating to economics, the people suffer. Inflation of the currency by abandoning gold and silver as the monetary standard and creating money to fund non-biblical political projects especially hurts the poor. Your silver has become dross, your drink diluted with water, your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow's plea come before them. Isaiah 1, and 23. Defending Christianity from Public Attack Third, the Christian religion should be protected against those who would seek to destroy it. The state cannot be neutral toward the Christian faith. Any obstacle that would jeopardize the preaching of the Word of God and carry out the Great Commission must be removed by civil government. Civil rulers should have the interest of godliness and dignity in mind as they administer justice. This is why Paul instructs Christians to pray for their rulers, so that we, Christians, may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. 1 Timothy 2.2 Many wish to maintain that the state must be religiously and morally neutral. The Bible makes no such suggestion. Even our Constitution assumes the protection of the Christian religion. The First Amendment had the specific purpose of excluding all rivalry among Christian denominations. Paul expected even the Roman civil government to protect him from those who would threaten the Christian religion. Acts 23, 12-31 compare 25:11. This means civil government cannot be religiously neutral. If the Christian religion is not defended, then some other religion will be, usually a state religion that degenerates into secularism. The state cannot be neutral toward all religions because all religious views or philosophies necessarily entail uncompromising moral systems, and this guarantees conflict with those of other religious systems. If the state were truly neutral, it would enact no laws, for each law would penalize someone's religion or religious view or religious practice. National Defense Fourth, the civil magistrate, given the power of the sword, is obligated to defend the nation against national and international aggressors. See Albion Knight's book, Chariots of God, in this series. Peace, however, can only be realized through the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the element of self-government. Peace with God brings about peace with others. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Romans 13, 17, 18, compare 5, 11. Genuine and lasting peace will not come through law, force, political promises, or compromises, the elimination of poverty, worldwide public education, or the establishment of a one-world humanistic government. 
praying for peace, an aspect of self-government, is no substitute for the preaching of the gospel so that the nations are discipled according to the word of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18-20 Wars are not the result of environmental factors. Rather, they are the result of man's inherent sinfulness. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James 4, 1-2 Does this mean that a nation should not defend itself against the sinful military advancements of aggressive nations? The Bible takes evil and the reality of our war of war seriously. Nehemiah 4, 7 through 18, Ecclesiastes 3, 8, Joel 3, 10, Matthew 24, 6, 7, Luke 11, 21, 22, 14, 31 through 20, 32. It recognizes that if men will war with God, they certainly will war with other men. Under certain circumstances, the individual is given the authority to attack and kill an intruder. Exodus 22, 2. The civil magistrate is God's avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Romans 13.4. The civil magistrate's symbol of authority is the sword, an instrument of death. Romans 13.4. Israel was commanded to have an army of armed men. Deuteronomy 20. While peace is what we all desire, war often is a reality we must face and prepare for. Quarantine. Fifth. Civil government has the power to quarantine, to protect human life. Plagues can race through whole populations because of the infectious nature of the disease transmitted through casual and sexual contact. The individual with the infectious disease shall live alone, Leviticus 13.46. Even his home can be quarantined after an inspection, Leviticus 14.33-53. If the disease is not abated, then even his house can be torn down, verses 39-42. The state is given legislative power to deal with plagues, epidemics, venereal diseases, and other contagious and dangerous diseases like acquired immune deficiency syndrome, AIDS. Defining and defending private property. Six, civil government has the duty to protect private property. When individuals, families, churches, and business establishments possess property, they have an area of liberty and dominion that is beyond the reach of men with greater power and influence. The Bible is explicit about how property is to be acquired. Confiscation through state power is l not legitimate. The commandments, you shall not steal, Exodus 20.15, and you shall not covet, Exodus 20.17, are meaningless unless there are prior owners who are secure in their right to hold the land. When Naboth refused to sell his land to King Ahab, the king devised a plot to kill Naboth in order to confiscate his land. Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you money for, 1 Kings 21.15. The individual and self-government must assist the police powers by securing their homes against theft, developing neighborhood watch groups, and taking courses in self-defense. The citizen's arrest is also an aspect of self-government. A police state is difficult to generate if the people take responsibility for their actions and do not look to the state as the only protecting agency. Big Brother's influence increases when we fail to watch out for ourselves and the well-being of our neighbors. Off-Limits 
A careful reading of scripture will show that the state or civil government has almost no authority in the areas of education, business, welfare, and ecclesiastical affairs. For example, the only time education of children is taken on by the state is when the people of God are held captive by a pagan government. Daniel 1, 1 1-7 Jurisdiction of education is given to parents. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 A legitimate educational function of the state would be military academies. Caring for widows is another concern. The responsibility first lies with family members. This is why Paul makes a distinction between widows indeed, or those who have no family, or who have families that refuse to care for them, and widows who have family members who can help out. Honor your widows, who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family, and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God, and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. 1 Timothy 5, 3-5 The church is to step in and help those widows, who are widows indeed. Their hope is fixed on God. The church is God's special representative on earth. God's provision comes through the church in tithes and offerings of the people. The state can best help widows by not taxing inheritances. Some of Jesus' harshest words are for children who put their parents' lives in jeopardy. He pronounces the death penalty on the unfaithful and self-righteous children who neglect caring for their parents. You nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. Mark 7, 9, and 10. The Apostle Paul says that those who fail to care for their own family members are worse than unbelievers, 1 Timothy 5.8. The state is not called on to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, except as wartime measures. You will not find instructions given to the state to establish a welfare system. What the state ought to do is keep the marketplace open. This would mean the abolition of minimum wage laws that keep the less skilled from entering the workforce, the reduction of taxes at all levels, the elimination of social security taxes on the on those just entering the workforce. This alone would add over 14% to their income. Phasing out Social Security for employers and employees already in the system, and the elimination of all entitlement programs that keep the poor dependent on the parent state. Summary The fifth basic principle in the biblical blueprint for government is that the state is not our father, provider, or savior. We're all looking for security. Now, security is not a bad thing. God wants us to find security in Him. But when man rejects God as the only sovereign Lord and Savior, he turns to some other higher power to fill the vacuum. There are those who are convinced that a better society can be created and maintained by turning over nearly all authority, power, and jurisdiction to benevolent caretakers of our souls. God is not needed, they say, and we begin to believe it. Just give us a little more power, a bit more jurisdiction. All we need is a few more tax dollars. After this, you'll see the difference. We do see the difference. The merchants of promise have an insatiable appetite for control. There's never enough money to do what they claim needs to be done. So they're back again for more money. In all of this, God is rejected as our father. The state no longer wields the sword. Rather, it becomes a benefactor, buying votes with the slippery voice of the promise and the transfer of wealth from the haves to the have-nots. How do these merchants of promise remain in office? 
We the people keep them there. The nation has chosen its God, and it's not Jehovah. Christians have fallen into the trap of looking to the state as a substitute father, looking for sustenance. God is our father. He cares for us. Turning to the state for every provision is a form of slavery. Civil government has a very limited role, defined by God in Scripture. To go beyond those biblical limits turns the state into God's competitor. In biblical terms, the state is a minister of God, serving God by promoting the good and punishing the evildoer. The state must ensure the maintenance of just weights and measures. The Christian religion should be protected against those who would work to destroy it. The state has the responsibility to protect the nation against internal and external aggressors. The state has the power to quarantine. The state, because of its because it is limited by God, does not have ultimate jurisdiction. The state does not have biblical authority to educate or to confiscate income to fulfill some ill-conceived social agenda. In summary, 1. God is the source of our protection. 2. The state is not our ultimate protector. 3. The modern humanist state is worshipped today as the primary provider of safety. 4. God gives life and removes it. 5. God's word sustains us. 6. Obedience to biblical law is the basis of long-term prosperity. 7. The Israelites kept returning to the state for their protection. 8. God feeds us. 9. All men are either slaves or servants. 10. A servant to God is a free man spiritually. 11. A servant to Satan is a slave spiritually. 12. Slavery is Satan's imitation of servitude to God. 13. Modern men are increasingly slaves to the state. 14. Sin is the first step toward slavery. 15. Samuel warned Israel against the kingly state. 16. The state's job is limited, bearing the sword, vengeance. 17. It is to dispense God's justice, punishing criminals. 18. It is to enforce honest weights and measures. 19. It is to defend Christianity from public attack. 20. It is to defend the nation from invasion. 21. It is to impose medical quarantines. 22. It is to define and protect private property. 23. It has little authority over other spheres of government, especially in the area of welfare.